Okay, we are reading in the book of Acts, and Paul has again recounted his conversion. It's interesting that Paul uses again and again his testimony when he's trying to draw people to Jesus. Not always does he use his testimony, but often he does. He goes back to that same account where Jesus appeared to him on the road to Emmaus. Your testimony of how you came to the Lord or how you grew in the Lord has a huge effect on other people because there's some reality there that this is what's really happened. It's not some ethereal thing that happened to somebody 3,000 years ago. It's happened to you. This is what happened. And this has effect on people's lives. So Paul is going and he's recounting this thing. And he says in verse 15 of Acts chapter 26. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up, stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint to you as a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which I will appear to you. Rescuing you from the Jews and from the people and from, gen- and, and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by me, by faith in me. So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but I kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the regions of Judea and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So I have obtained, so having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying both to the small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer, and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light, both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. And while Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said to him in a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter utter words of sober truth. Okay, so here Paul is, is recounting, and look what he says. He says, Jesus appeared to me. He appeared to me, and I cannot deny that fact that He has appeared to me. And He has sent me to proclaim light first to the Jewish people and then to the Gentiles. And He says in verse 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in Me. He says, this is the crux of the situation. They are bound in darkness. Their eyes are not even open. They're in the dominion of Satan. This is the way he viewed the lost. They were in the dominion of Satan. And if we view them in that way, if we view people in that way who don't know Christ, as in the dominion of Satan, that they're lost, then we would understand better why they do the things that they do and say the things that they say. They're just lost. He says their eyes are not even open. He says in verse 19, I didn't prove disobedient to this heavenly vision, but I kept declaring both to Damascus first uh, 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 and also Jerusalem, then throughout all the region of Judea 
and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. For what reason? Because in verse 9, so he says in verse 21, for this reason, for what reason? Verse 20, that he had kept declaring both, he he kept declaring these things. In Damascus, first, where he, he initially got saved, and then in Jerusalem, Judea, and then out to the Gentiles. He got in trouble for declaring. He got in trouble for opening his mouth. If you do not open your mouth about Jesus Christ, you will not get in trouble. You will not. If you keep your mouth closed about who you are in Christ, you will not get in trouble. Paul says, I got in trouble for testifying about these things. Is it sufficient to believe? Is it sufficient just to believe? Look in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, becomes really clear to us. Is it sufficient to just have belief? Or is there something expected of us? In John chapter 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in Him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing Him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. So in John 12:42 it says many of the rulers believed on Jesus but because of the Pharisees they were not confessing him lest they be thrown out of the synagogue. Now being thrown out of the synagogue is not like being asked to leave the church because in this community you leave one church you just go across the street and there's another church. It's sort of like on, on Shrek, you know, with Starbucks, you know. Farbucks, and you, know, you just go to the other one when one collapses. You just go right across the street. It's like that with churches. To be put out of the synagogue meant all relationships were cut off. You had no relationships with the people that you valued anymore. No relationships with the Jewish community. Only the outcasts could you have a relationship with. This was a huge deal. You would go into shops. They wouldn't serve you in the marketplace. You have no relationship with other people when you're put out of the synagogue. So it was a very big deal. Because these rulers had high positions. And because of their high positions, you know, it could get them in a lot of trouble. So we can understand that. It says, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him lest they put out, be put out of the synagogue. And when you have a person of a high position who's put out of the synagogue, I mean, he loses everything. This is a big deal to be put out of the synagogue. So you think, well, God must understand then that I'm just not going to be too vocal about this. I'm not going to openly confess this. I just believe God in my heart. I believe God in my heart. I have Him in my heart. I'm a good guy. And I have, I have Him in my heart. I just don't like to just shout it out. You know, you don't have to shout it out to be a Christian, you know. So you'd think that God would understand, because it was a big deal not to, 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 if one were thrown out of the synagogue. But look at the very next verse in John twelve forty three: For they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Whoa! Would you say that, oh, God then agrees with you that it's okay to be quiet about this thing because He understands being put out of the synagogue is a big deal. And you know, these were leaders. And for leaders to be put out of the synagogue, isn't it better for the leaders to stay quiet and be in the synagogue and have some quiet influence? 
Wouldn't God want it that way? No. How do we know? Because the next verse, it says, because they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. It was as if there is no acceptance of this by God. They love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. That's a pretty strong word, isn't it? The cost that they would have to pay is greater than the cost that we have to pay. And God says of them, because they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Look in in Matthew chapter 8. Not Matthew. I'm going from memory here. I think it's maybe it's Mark. Eight. Let me confirm this. Yes, Mark eight. Look in Mark eight, verse thirty-four. Mark eight thirty-four. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples. So who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples and the entire crowd. So if you think this is just for people who are destined to be apostles, not so. He's talking to his disciples and to the entire crowd. He says, he said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What's he talking about? If I want to follow Jesus, I have to deny myself and take up the cross? I mean, that's that's a cold hunk of wood I'm going to get splinters if I pick that thing up. And it's heavy, you know. i got this herniated disc in my back and carrying that thing. And he doesn't say, you know, you know let, let me pad this thing for you. Let me give you a carbon-carbon a, a, a composite version of it that's lightweight. <laughs> he says, you take up your cross and you follow me. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... The Son of Man will also be ashamed of Him when He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. Wow! I mean, this is just fire! Can you believe this? How could this man say this to this crowd? If you wish to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the sake of the Gospel, The gospel is a testimony. And the sake of the gospel, you'll save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, I will be ashamed of him when I come. Or the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father and his holy angels. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what that means. It means when Jesus returns to earth, he's going to be introducing us to the Father. Father, did you meet this person? If we have been ashamed of him, 
It says Jesus will be ashamed of us when He comes. When the Son of Man comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. So here's the Father and the angels. And Jesus walks up and says, Ah, you don't want Jesus, God. That's what it means. That's what it means. Move away. Because I'm ashamed of you. Because you were ashamed of me. Jesus, you don't know what it's like. You know, in, in, in our day and age, you know, this is, this is 2009. You can get, it doesn't look good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word, for the truth of your word. Father, I pray for these young people that you cause them to stand for you and to not be ashamed of you or of the gospel. Father, I pray that they would not try to save their lives and so lose them. For what will it gain for a man What will it benefit for a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? Father, I pray that they would not be like the rulers that loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Father, get hold of their hearts, I pray. Draw them close to Jesus. And I give you thanks in your name. Amen.